When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you ever seen a test like it? Stuart Ball gets Marnus Lavashane and Steve Smith late in the day to swing the game ever so slightly back into England's favour. I'm Yaz Rana and today I'm joined by Katia Whitney at a pumped up Edge Baston, the lawnmowers in full voice in the background. Australia 107 for three at Stumps on day four. Uh, 174 more to get on day five. We have an amazing finish in store. Uh, Katia, there have been so many comparisons made to 2005. Uh, and the Edge Baston test from that series. Australia need 281 to win here. They needed 282 to win here in 2005. Even Broad's dismissals of Smith and Lavishane were very sm- similar to Flintoff's dismissal of Ponting at a very similar stage in the game 18 years ago. Uh, it was an amazing spell from Broad, one that was desperately needed. To paraphrase Mark Nicholas 18 years ago, it felt it changed the whole feeling of the occasion. Katty, do you think that little burst puts England in front? Well, I'm going to annoy everyone and say that 2005 is slightly before my memory kicks in. But it did remind me, actually, of the 2018 Test match that was played here against India. I think uh, India needed much less than Australia going into the final day. But the atmosphere in the evening session was so similar to that 2018 Test match with Broad on a roll once more. Yeah, absolutely. That that final spell, it was just incredible, wasn't it? Like, you know, you could hear the roar and Broad was pumped. And, you know, they were doing with their hands, trying to get the crowd going, as they always do. Um and yeah, to get the number one and number two batters in the world out late in the evening session with still 170 runs to get, it's huge, isn't it? Mm. Um, and a number one batter who's only got one away 100, which I think might be a stat that, that comes to the fore more and more as the series progresses. Um, Omar Chowdhury on Twitter put up this thing at the end of play yesterday saying that the favourite, according to bookmakers, um, changed seven times in the first three ta- in the first three days. And I think it must have done a couple of more times today and I, and I really can't remember a test like it especially where you've got such contrasting styles and on broad in particular i find it amazing how his game rises for the ashes before the series when we we're picking our hypothetical england 11s for the first test matches most of us i think for the weekly pod we did before it all of us had broad out of the side but he really feeds off the whole ashes energy he's got a better career ashes record than anderson for example and it's you know, we watched a lot of Broad over the last few years, and I think this is the best he's bowled in ages. He's bowled some, he's had some very good spells, but I don't think over the course of an entire Test match he's had a game as good as this for a really long time. Yeah, yeah, it's built for him, isn't it? He's such a big match player. I'm going to make a fairly naff analogy with Ian Poulter and the Ryder Cup. Yeah. You know, that's made for Ian Poulter. Genuinely. The Ashes is made for Stuart Broad. He thrives off that that energy, and he had the crowd in the palm of his hands today. And when he's got uh, 20,000 people in his pocket behind him ready to go at Australia who he's had so much history with he's obviously going to bowl the best he's ever bowled you know and when Jimmy slightly off the off the mark in this test match um, he's really had to stand up and do it so it's a really good time for him to do it and Stuart Broad and Ashes it's a match made in heaven really so and also I love that he he obviously really leans into the pre-series chat and he he's got Smith and Lavashane out three times this test match all with balls dangled outside off stump, which he sort of telegraphed before the series. Um, 
I mean, everyone was saying it on, on commentary, but how much he needed that double strike. I was a bit worried by actually how easy it looked for Ollie Robinson and Jimmy Anderson with the bat. Um, the pitch is still clearly pretty decent. Um, no huge demons, but there's some inconsistent bounce today. That 12 from Jimmy, by the way, um, is his highest test score in five years. Um, kind of looking ahead to, to tomorrow, Smith and Labashay may be gone, but Kawaja is still in. Head, Green and Carey still to come. Talking of Kawaja, how do you think that moment, how big do you think that moment was when uh, pretty much first up, he nicks one off Anderson and it flies straight through the gap between Bairstow and Root at keeper and first slip? Yeah, I think all our heads dropped really, didn't they? You know, it's another drop from from Bairstow, another missed chance from Bairstow in this in this uh, test match, which is not ideal from someone who's displaced the best keeper in the world um, for a place inside. Um, but, you know, it's a tough ask to come back after so long not having any top class keeping um, and to come back on the biggest of stages um, and have that amount of pressure on you where every drop is going to count. Um, so, yeah, it, it was big. I think there'll be other opportunities tomorrow. I think it's spinning a lot. Um, so I think there will be other opportunities to get Kawadra out. But on a pitch like that, you really only want to create 10 chances and take all 10. You don't want to have to create 12, 13, 14. So hopefully no more missed opportunities behind stumps tomorrow. And, and also it's one of the big differences between the two teams. Obviously the stars are completely different, but in terms of performance across the test match, Australia pretty much took every chance. They, they certainly didn't let uh, a big chance go. And I think that's that's five now, four, four from Besto, and then the, the no ball to Kawaja with a second ball, the, with a uh, second new ball in the first innings as well. Um, going back all the way to the start of the day, I mean, it, I, I find watching England almost exhausting because they pack so much into it. They scored 93 runs in, before drinks uh, first up. Joe Root uh, tried to reverse scoop the first ball of the day when he was on naught. Stuart Broad said at the end of the day, that was actually something they premeditated. Um, and I was, I was looking at the, the the highlights and when Root plays that reverse scoop, he has to premeditate it. He gets in position before the ball's released. So I kind of wonder uh, whether or not Australia should be firing in more Yorkers to Root in particular because he can only play that shot if he's totally confident of what kind of ball is going to be bowled. Um, what did you make about England's approach with the bat in that first hour or so? Um, no one... No one got a 50 for England today. There were quite a few starts, but no one really kicked on. Yeah. Well, it's a good job Root scores so many runs off that reverse scoop because if he gets out to it, he looks like a total idiot. Um, but yeah, no, I actually thought that was really impressive what he did off the first few overs of the day. And we saw Australia put a man back so he couldn't play it anymore. But all that did was manoeuvre the field so he could then play through through in front of the wicket and pick up runs that way. So it's actually really intelligent batting because he knows he will score runs off that shot. Um, and that they will have to take a fielder out so he can score runs elsewhere. It's almost like a one-day match where he's manipulating the field and they're plugging the gaps in the field and he's always ahead of the game. Um, but I thought England were interesting with the bat today. I think to give them their credit, a lot of them got out to good balls. Pat Cummins' ball to Ollie Pope that was, was amazing. absolutely incredible. Hmm. Um, and I thought Stokes actually batted really well today. I thought he batted with, with a lot of intelligence if that's the right word I think he he played the match situation really well and he didn't do what we've seen over the last <coughs> excuse me 12 months um charging down the pitch first second ball you know uh keeping on slogging he played a really really good innings and even though he only got 40 that was a really really crucial 40 at that time in the game to get if he'd been out at that point then it would have been all over pretty much. The fact mm. that he stayed there for that long was really, really important. Mm. Um, and the runs from Ollie Robinson at the end, they were really important as well, especially after he'd given it the big one in the press conference yesterday. He really had to he come out. He needed a big first uh, performance after that press conference. Yeah. Um, I thought Lyon was outstanding as well. So England scored 21 runs off his first two overs today. 
And then he went 10.3 overs, two maidens, three for 14 um, against, and he gets rid of Brook, Root, and Bairstone. Given the way that England have attacked pretty much every spinner they've come across so far, it was brilliant. I thought the control he had where they had men out, but he still wasn't conceding that many singles, bowling to a 6-3 onside field for a lot of it. There's a really good piece on Quick Info during the Border Gavaska series that was comparing the Australia spinners to India spinners uh, through the metric of how many times were batters on each side basically flicking it down the ground for one. And basically the thinking there is to allow a batter to hit a flick for one, that's not a bad ball, but it's also not the perfect ball. And Lyon gave so little away. He didn't, he didn't even give... He wasn't just not bowling four balls. He wasn't bowling one balls. Um, and I think that's the first time I can really remember a spinner getting properly on top of England. Even when Nabral Ahmed was running through England, they're still hitting him at five or sixes. So I thought, yeah, he, he's... You know, you talk about how much it's turning. We don't know how much Moeen's going to be able to bowl tomorrow. And if you look at the two team selections, both sides left out their fastest bowler in Mitchell Stark and Mark Wood. I don't think either side was anticipating a pitch this slow and it's spinning this much. Um, and and that's really brought the spinner to the fore in a way you just don't really expect in a test match in, in, the, in the early summer at least. And, and Lyon, I think, has been absolutely outstanding across both innings. I know he didn't quite get the fingers, figures to... Um, to show that in the first innings, but I think he got the figures that he deserved second time round. He's got he's got 495 Test wickets now. Um, you know, I, I can't. I don't, I don't think since the days of of Warren and Murlithrin has there been an overseas spinner that has had this kind of influence on Test matches here. Um, Cathy, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish the show just by asking you what the hell do you think is gonna happen tomorrow? No idea. I think you've got to say Australia is slightly in front. I think if they lost, I, I reckon so. Ponting slightly. said at the end that he started. The fourth innings, thinking Australia in front, at the end of the day, England marginally in front. Well, we said, didn't we? We said at the start of that innings that Australia would want to be no more than two down and England would mm. want them four down tonight. So, you know, that shows how it's poised, right? Yeah. But I think given how flat the pitch is, given that Mo might not be able to bowl as much as England might want him to, then I would rather be in Australia's dressing room tonight than I would England. But England need 10 balls, not 10 balls. They need seven, seven balls. balls. Seven balls. And I guess know. the one thing we don't really know is the forecast. The forecast was, for tomorrow, was really bad. Uh, it's now much better, but it's still expected to have a little bit of rain around in the morning. Maybe not enough to uh, delay the start of play, but it's certainly going to be cloudy and overcast at the start of the day. And we've seen the periods in the mat so far where the ball's done the most and batting's been most difficult has been when there's been overhead assistance for the seamers so that could be absolutely huge um i wonder how important scott boland's runs at the end of the day england had probably the most attacking fields i've ever seen so kind of whenever he got any sort of bat on it he got runs um and he ended up finishing the day on i think 13 or 15 not out from no time uh, I, I wonder how important that, that will be come the end of tomorrow yeah I, I mean we saw yesterday didn't we when it was overcast that England lost those wickets. And if Australia had come out in those situations, they would have lost two quick wickets as well. They were really, really tough to bat in. So if it is still overcast tomorrow, if we do get play, then it'll be a really difficult task for Australia to come out and bat through that and score the runs they need. Um, it was actually interesting to listen to Broad in the press conference. He said that um, if Australia come out and block it, there's very few ways he can see getting them out and that England need them to come out and attack it. So it'll be interesting if we do lose a session and a half, two sessions tomorrow, what Australia decide to do. Do they come out and try and attack it? Is that carrot of going 1-0 up enough to entice them to give it a go? Or will they prioritise not losing um, and going for that draw? We know what approach England would take, but it it's, comes down to what Australia take now, which I think will be so interesting. I mean, we could be in for a historically epic final day, Edgebaston. The 2023 20, Men's Ashes has certainly lived up 
to the hype so far. Here's hoping it continues to do so on the final day tomorrow. We'll be back after it's all said and done. Sports Social Podcast Network.